0: My darling girl, when are you going to understand? That being normal is not necessarily a virtue. I'd rather know a lack of courage. You've just entered the friend Hour. everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Ghoul Friend Hour. I'm your host, Morgan Fezza. Let's get weird. So today I decided to tap into our much beloved Reddit forum and eerily similar, I found a story that reminded me of kind of the story that I talked about with my friend Megan. And I kind of wonder you know, is there a phenomenon going on? You know, is there something strange about, I don't even know, maybe something preying on men, um, returning home to foreign countries? I'm not really sure, but I'm going to read the story to you and you guys tell me what you think. So it's on the Reddit forum, no sleep. And it was submitted by, um, a person of the name impressive teach 552 The title was, My husband went to India two weeks ago, and what came back isn't him. The writer starts off, I'm scared. I'm writing this from the bathroom right now. I'm pretty sure he was asleep when I got out of bed, but I don't know how long I can stay in here without making him suspicious if he isn't. I fear that the man I married isn't the man laying on our bed right now. I just want someone to tell me that I'm crazy or that this is all part of some fucked up dream I'm having right now that I'll soon wake up from. A couple years ago, I was at the lowest point in my life. My mental health was down in the gutter and I had started to isolate myself. I had never had many friends to begin with and the few I did weren't really friends as much as superficial acquaintances. I was born and raised in a small town in Missouri. And moving to Los Angeles, California for college had seemed exciting at first, but it all came crashing down when the loneliness of it all set in. I had a hard time socializing and spent my college years without really going out much or making any friends. I had pretty much lost a lot of my social skills, and it started to become bitter. I would spend a lot of my time on the internet complaining about the way the world was, and I'd scroll for hours without really feeling any sense of joy. Ugh scrolling I feel like it gets the best of us. There were days I would completely dissociate for hours at a time, and at night I would break down crying. Things got worse for me when I signed up for a dating app. At first, it seemed exciting. Scrolling through a sea of men, I found myself fantasizing about potentially breaking out of this lonely hell. But what I really got out of the app were self-esteem issues and a feeling of disgusted disgust directed towards myself. I had gone on dates with people I wasn't really attracted to out of desperation and when things led nowhere I felt disgusted with myself. At this point I had completely withdrawn from society and my grades started to suffer because I just did the bare minimum. I stopped caring for myself and all I had was my part time job and an empty life. That's when I met Jay. My phone popped with a notification telling me that I had another match. It didn't really matter much to me at first as I was used to things going nowhere on those apps, but Jay felt different. Jay was an immigrant. He had been in his country for two years at that point and he too had a hard time socializing. Work and education and taken up most of his time and much like me, he hoped to find a way out of the loneliness through the app. But struck me about Jay was his optimistic way of looking at things. He was a man who would look at the good that would come out of a situation and wouldn't let him bring it wouldn't let it bring him down it felt like a bright light had been lit in my dark world and now all that mattered was that i spend every second with him five years later and we were both happily married i was so happy that the past felt like the shadow of a bad dream that had long faded jay and i worked hard to pay the bills but we cherished every moment we had together we had also gotten a little kitten the sweetest little orange goblin we called him maximus Two weeks ago, after my shift ended at the grocery store I worked at, I found Jay in the kitchen. Instantly, I knew something was wrong. His eyes looked distant, as if he had learned of something troubling, and he looked at me, hesitant. He told me that his father back in India was really sick and that he would need to go visit him. I comforted him, and even though I was really reluctant to let him go, I knew that it was something he had to do. I wanted to go with him, but he refused." We couldn't afford it and he told me that he wouldn't be long there but I assured him that he should take as much time as he needs and I'll be here when he comes back. He left the same night leaving behind Maximus and me in this empty home. We talked on the phone every night. I wanted to FaceTime him every day but he was in a rural part of India where it was difficult for him to connect to the internet. I picked up more hours during this time knowing that he wouldn't be there when I got home. But when I did get home, I'd look forward to our calls. When we weren't talking, I'd take the time to play with Maximus, but it really felt like he missed Jay much more than I did, meowing every night looking for him. Four days ago, Jay called to tell me that his father was recovering and that he would be fine. This was great news, and I got really excited when he told me that he was coming back the next day. I took two days off. I went a little overboard with decorating the house for his arrival, and I also made chicken alfredo for dinner, a recipe he loved. I drove to the airport to pick him up and found him waiting for me outside. The second he got in my car, I felt wrong. I can't really find a word for it, but I will try to describe how it felt. I remember chills running up my spine, and I felt the urge to shield myself. I felt uncomfortable around him. He greeted me, but it felt very unenthusiastic, like he didn't care to see me at all. I brushed it up to exhaustion and let him rest in silence as I drove us home. He never tried to make conversation or sleep. Or really do anything the entire ride home. He just sort of stared out at his feet the entire ride. When we got home, I remembered Maximus and I was excited to see I remembered Maximus and I was excited to see his reaction to Jay coming home. But when we got in the apartment, Maximus was nowhere to be seen. I called out his name and went into the bedroom while Jay lurked in the kitchen. I found the cat hiding under the bed and I tried to get him to come out, but he just wouldn't. I heard footsteps behind me and stood up to find Jay there. I laughed and tried to get Maximus to come out again, but this time he hissed at Jay and me before running out of the bedroom scared. I tried to ignore this, but I couldn't. I asked Jay if he needed a shower, but he refused. We went straight to dinner and he was eerily silent again, just staring at food and I asked him if everything was okay and he just mumbled a yeah and began to eat. At bedtime, I climbed up to his chest and he seemed confused for a second before easing up. I figured that he was tired, trying not to think about Maximus and how scared he seemed and pushing my own feelings down. I was just happy that he was here no matter what. I closed my eyes, trying to listen to the sound of his heart when I heard... Nothing. Nothing. I adjusted my head a little, trying to listen for it, but again, nothing. I looked up at Jay, and he was asleep, so I decided to try to get some sleep as well. I'm not religious, but I said a little prayer before sleeping because I was a bit scared. I didn't turn the lights off since he didn't seem to mind either. That night, I had terrible dreams. I heard this drumming in my dreams, along with the sound of bells ringing violently. I heard a woman scream, and then a child's shadow formed by a fire. Casted the... Shadows, oh sorry guys. (laughs) Shadows formed by a fire casted the shape of a skinny man on the wall. And then the shadow grew horns. I jolted up. Jay was no longer in bed. I had the worst headache of my life that morning. Jay wasn't home. I went to feed the cat, but Maximus didn't run up to me as he usually would when it was feeding time. I filled his bowl and then went looking for him. I found him hiding under the couch tried to get him out again, but he scratched me, hissing, and then running into the bedroom. I had a sinking feeling in my gut, and I called Jay. His phone rang, and I heard it in the bedroom. Wherever he was, he had left his phone behind. I stayed up all day waiting for him, eventually falling asleep on the couch. My head was killing me. I woke up in the dark. I had slept through the day somehow. My head throbbed, and I woke up to Jay standing over me with a smile. I flinched and sank away. The smile disappeared as fast as I did, changing to a more neutral expression. That smile, it wasn't like him. It was too… fake, like he was mimicking something he didn't understand. I asked him how long he had been standing there and where he'd been all day. He told me that he had a few work-related errands to run. Yes, he literally said he had work-related errands to run. He gave me another vague reply when I pressured him about it, and I asked once again if he was okay, and he said he was, and that he was just tired. I asked him if he knew where Maximus was. He laughed and said he was probably somewhere around the house. Somewhere. I got you a present, Jay said, and then that fucking smile started to creep on his face again, sending shivers down my spine. It was like the smile of a predator, comforting prey into a false sense of security. But... You'll have to wait until tomorrow. And with that, he got closer to me, his eyes lustful. I backed away, feeling uncomfortable. I told him my head hurts and I'd much rather prefer to take a few painkillers and sleep it off. He smiled again, but there was rage behind those eyes. I don't know how, but I could see a boiling anger, like he was toying with the idea of snapping my neck. The smile widened and he went into the bedroom laying on the bed. I went in and he seemed fast asleep. He was snoring loud while still in his boots. I didn't dare wake him at this point. I went into the bathroom to take my painkillers and that's when I started writing this. I really don't know what's going on and I would really appreciate some help here. Am I being too paranoid? My head hurts so fucking much right now that I'm crying. I'm really scared and I don't know what's going on. Any advice will be helpful here. Wow. I mean, I'm trying to, like, process that. Because, I mean, I was super scared at the story my friend Megan told um, about her friend's experience with her husband going back to Romania and coming back a different person. You know, it's... I, I don't even know the word for it. Like, I just wonder, you know, is there... Is there something going on? Like, is this... Is this... I, I'm hesitant to say demonic. Is it spiritual? Is it extraterrestrial? I mean, what is happening? Um, I feel like I am now hearing more stories about this. And, you know, some people kind of suggested on the forum that it could be Dakini. Um, basically... The gist that I had gotten from reading about Dakini is that uh, the one person had said she rarely takes the form of a man, but it's possible. You can inquire from his parents or relatives if somebody has an animosity against him. A person with sufficient knowledge can call her upon somebody. And remember, Dakini will kill somebody before returning she is immensely powerful the fact that she is still here means that someone has called her upon you try getting as much help as you can from his family from his family she will kill somebody but if you take correct measures at correct time it wouldn't be you and remember don't say her name oh well I wish I would have I wish you would have put like a like a warning before I said her name um. So I don't know. I'm just curious as to like what this could be because I I just feel like there's a lot of like cultural uh de- deities and gods and spiritual aspects and so I'm just curious as to, you know, I wonder what happened to this guy. You know, some people are saying it's a um a djinn, some people are saying that it is like a twin. People, I mean, it's crazy the things that I've been reading on this new sleep Reddit. Um, but I can't imagine being in her position and being able to kind of stay there. Um, you know, some people are like, oh, it's just a good old psychotic break. But everybody does keep kind of pointing to a gin. So I might have to follow this Reddit and kind of give you guys an update because I just feel like This is now the second story that I've kind of heard of something similar. Um, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? There will be a little, like, review, um, kind of like a note space where you can give some of your thoughts. Um, but what I figured I'll do is the story that somebody had included, um, with this supposed, I can't say her name, so, but you know what I said before, um, (laughs) um, they basically included the story, uh, that this people shared, um, their experience with this, uh, I don't know what to call her, this thing. Um, so I will read you guys that one and then you guys can kind of just simmer on that and let me know what you're thinking. Um, this is submitted by Anama Deya, and the title is, My Wife and I Share a Secret. The writer starts off with, a cold presence sweeps over my legs, pulling me out of a deep sleep. I check my phone. The screen flashes 3.03 a.m. What a horrid time to wake up, I think. Thankfully, I still have half the night to sleep away. I cover up the blankets that my feet are nice and snug. Doing so, I notice the light on from our bathroom. The door opens a crack and I see a silhouette of my wife. Her faint giggle rings through the silent night. Well, now this is a nice surprise, I think. I hop out of the bed to join her. We got married two months ago, a classic Indian arranged marriage setup. Both of us are workaholic software engineers. So when the pandemic hit and we moved back to our hometowns, our parents decided to seize the opportunity. Between eavesdropping family members and hectic work schedules, we stole romantic moments over WhatsApp calls. Delay in vaccinations and fears of third wave threw a wrench in our honeymoon plans. We were now living together with my parents. My mother took to her newfound status of mother-in-law and decided to use the time to mold my wife into the ideal bahu. All this, coupled with overbearing relatives, pretty much placed our newlywed experience on the back burner. Until today, that is. I smiled as I tiptoed into the small bathroom, shutting the door as quietly as I could. Nita stood with her back to me, playing with the end of her plaited hair. The mirror reflected her mischievous grin. "'Hello, husband,' she says. "'I hug her her from behind, arms circling her waist. "'This is a nice surprise,' I say, "'burying my face in the crook of her neck. "'Isn't it a wonderful night?' she says, her voice seductive. "'It sure is,' I replied. "'I slowly started to pull the nightdress down her shoulders, "'placing kisses on the newly exposed skin. "'She halted my hands as the dress exposed her shoulder.' "'Are you sure you want to continue?' she says. "'Silly question, don't you think?' I chuckle. "'I won't let you go if you tell me to stop midway,' she says. "'I'm sure there was some witty remark I can make about consent, but it seemed to elude me. "'I'm sure I won't ask you to stop,' I say. "'Yes or no, dear husband,' she says, her tone strangely fixated. "'Hell yes,' I say. "'You asked for it,' she says with a a chuckle.' I pull down her nightdress and her skin turns darker and darker as I peel it away from her body. At one point, it shimmers and turns into quicksand. My hands start sinking into her upper arms. I panic as my hands move to her back. A scream rips through me as I see the figure that holds me captive. A dark woman-like creature with slanted, blood-red eyes looks back at me. Its face twists up in a V-shaped grin with serpent-like tongue darting out of canine teeth what's wrong husband it says in a distorted voice be one with me what the hell get away from me i scream trying to pull myself from the dark void of the creature's form the creature turns its head to face me tentacles start to emerge from its frame and start to encircle me two of its tentacles grasp my head holding it face to face the creature the creature opens its mouth, tongue slithering around its barely-there lips. The void of nothingness beyond its pointed teeth pulls me in as it opens its mouth wider and wider. There is a sudden splash of water on my back. It, instant fo- it instantly follows up with a flash of heat, like sunlight in the afternoon. The heat seeps into every cell of my body, pulling me out of the void and then bursts through every pore of my skin. The creature lets out an unholy shriek as the light rips its tentacles to shreds. As the creature disappears into shreds and floats out the vents, I fall back into what seems like someone's waiting arms. The world fades to black as I faintly hear what sounds like the Maha Mar- Maritianja Jaya mantra. I'm going to apologize for butchering that. I wake up with a jolt easy now nita says she wipes the cold sweat off my forehead i uh, you that words elude me i know she says you know she thrusts a copper glass full of water in my hands you must have a hundred questions running through your head right now about what happened yesterday she says as she runs her fingers through my hair and then down my cheek there's a fire smoldering in her eyes drink this and freshen up My aunt and uncle are coming over today. Together we'll answer all your questions, she says. Her hand travels to the space between my neck and collarbone and adjusts the locket held on by thick black thread. She closes her eyes and wordlessly chants, her fingers lightly gripping the locket. I feel the same warmth as last night flowing through the locket into my chest and then reading out of me. She lets go of the locket and kisses my cheek. Don't be late, she says. Ma is in a flurry, getting things just perfect for our guests. She brings out the fancy china tea set accompanied with samosas from the pricier sweet sweet shop. "'Well now, how is our favorite niece doing?' Uncle Ved says in a happy and boisterous voice. "'He is a heavyset man who could pass for a bodyguard from what I remember during my wedding. He used to be a pahilawan who shifted to being a real estate developer after a wrestling injury.' "'I couldn't be happier,' Nita replies. "'I look after her like my own daughter,' Ma chimes in, sitting close to her. "'Feels nice to have another woman for company.' "'We wouldn't have recommended the match otherwise,' Aunt Supriya says with a gentle smile. "'Of course, of course,' Ma says. I can see her fuming internally, trying to form the choicest of veiled insults to use later. "'May I give them a tour of the home?' Mummy Jai,' Nita asks." Well, of course you should, Ma replies. It isn't every day that the city folks get to see a huge bungalow. Make sure to give them a good tour of our spacious backyard. We set up a vegetable patch three months ago. Most of our Sabji now comes from our own garden, free from all those harmful chemicals. Samdanji, I believe we should start the tour from the garden itself. It's my dream to have a wide backyard with a flower garden and a vegetable patch, Aunt Sapria says. Dear, shall we? "'My mother is momentarily confounded, and in that time we head for the gardens. "'Uncle Ved and I sit in the lawn chairs while Aunt Sapria and Nita walk around, "'sometimes stopping to examine the plants and soil. "'Well, Shiv, I'm not a man to beat around the bush,' he says, clapping my back. "'We heard there was an attack last night. How are you holding up, son?' "'Honestly?' "'I don't know what's going on,' I reply. "'I don't blame you,' he says.' You know the stupid thing they say about how women can never hold in secrets? Load of crap, I say. It took me six years to realize the line of work my wife and her family was in. That too, when my children were attacked. They come from a long line of accomplished bra- Brahmins, brahmanis, who have been passed on knowledge of the spiritual and supernatural aspects of life. My Supriya continues to explore the immeasurable knowledge from the Vedas and Puranas to this day, he says, smiling fondly as he looks at his wife. Now you might be wondering, women chasing demons and performing rituals? Don't men usually do that? Sadly, with the centuries of change, very few people still hold the true meaning of these texts. Supriya and Nita come from a family where the eldest daughter is born with the physical, mental, and spiritual prowess needed to understand and perform the needed rituals. To help people with supernatural problems. Wow. I have no words. It's a difficult life trying to help people when they're at their worst in life. There are many people who have no mastery over spirits and goals, yet they will haphazardly use tantric spells not knowing the one who casts them. Must be someone who follows a strict adherence to a Vedic lifestyle. People never understand that asking for someone to use black magic over another person might take some money, but the after effects of a curse gone wrong consumes everything, he says. The ladies return. Aunt Supriya places a sad-looking twig from our lone pot of Tulsi on the table. What's the diagnosis, Uncle Ved asks. From what Nita told me and by the looks of the Tulsi, I'd say the infestation is in the initial stages. We have a... D-A-K-I-N-I. I'm not saying it, guys. On her hand, she says. Is it even possible? In this day and age, Nita asks. There are few people who have the spiritual power to summon one, and even fewer who can send her back. She replies, but her face is weary. It won't be a pretty sight, dear child. The D will not go back unfulfilled, she shudders. What should we do, I ask? First, we need to understand how much of a danger you're in. Once that is ascertained, we can teach you the needed mantras to help you evade the spirit. We will need to know the person who had summoned her as well. They need to be warned, she says. Now hold on, I find myself saying. You're telling me that I'm being attacked by a witch and you're worried about the people who summoned it? What the hell? Shiv, calm down, Nita says, rubbing the forearm. You'll scare Mummy Jai with the commotion. The thought of my mother running headless with panic sobered me up. I understand your concern Shiv. Anapriya says you see unlike the conjuring movies we shouldn't fear much when it comes to malevol- malevolent spirits or deities. All spirits and supernatural beings are, are subservient to the Parama Purusha, Lord Vishnu. Nita asks, Nita adds, unlike witches or lost spirits, these are demonesses who stay with the goddess Mahakali as her attendants. Spirits linger due to unfulfilled desires or improper cremation rituals. We can help them obtain moksha and deliver them from this earth through proper rituals. These are demoniacal beings who are summoned through a powerful tantric with promise for blood. No ritual is power enough to keep her powerful enough to keep her away from what she has promised. Then it serves those people right, doesn't it? I say. Don't mess with fire if you can't take the heat. Demoniacal beings leave behind destruction you wouldn't wish upon your worst enemy, Shiv, Aunt Supriya says. Uncle Ved squeezes her hand in solidarity. What should we look for, Mossy? Nita asks, breaking the silence. Oh, yes. First thing in the morning, place a couple tib- tablespoons of the oil you use to light your lamps in a cup. Then ensure Shiv collects a clear stream of urine in it. Mix it thoroughly and wait for a few minutes and observe it. If you notice any broken circles or unnatural shapes, it means there is a moderate infestation. If the oil just breaks into regular droplets or globules, he isn't affected. It should look as if someone dropped some oil into water. Aunt turns to me. Now, Shib, do you feel extremely tired or fatigued? You mean other than working 14 hours a day? Oh, right, she says, clicking her tongue. How about this? Can you recite something from the bhagavad gita i'm not religious per se i say much to her chagrin we watch Mahabharat on the tv though i'm not sure it counts son uncle ved says with a chuckle can you recite the Gayatri mantra she says i remember it from my school prayers and i recited as she asks how does it feel she asks weird i guess honestly i feel like i'm seven years old again back at school Well, that clears up any fears you had, Nita. Your husband's fine. It was a good call to have the turtha by your side. It was a good call using that powerful holy water to drive away the D. Like I always said, don't underestimate your sixth sense. I couldn't shake off that unsettling feeling ever since I stepped in this household. I wasn't sure what to do. Look at the tulsi. It unnerved me, Nita says. We look at the twig. It looks diseased with the leaves of shriveled, With the leaves shriveled and leached out of color there are smears of white pests as well as what looks like black hair wrapped tightly around the branch mummy jai was blaming the weather but how is it that other plants grow so well while the tulsi is dying at such a horrific rate nita asks what does this mean i ask a tulsi is the home's first line of defense from the supernatural so to speak uncle bed says doesn't matter if you perform the grandest of Yanjas and Homas, if you don't follow the basics of Nietzsche Puja. For the men always perform the Sun I'm gonna mess this up, guys, I'm sorry. Perform the Sandhavayandana and for the women light the lamps every morning and evening and water the Tulsi. Doing these things along with being kind and righteous is enough to protect you from the most powerful and malevolent beings there can be. It's a busy life these days. I say we have twelve hour work days and you wake up at 10 a.m., scroll through Reddit and an hour-long Zoom calls that lead nowhere, and take status calls from the shower. I think you can do with, one, with missing one useless meeting, Nita remarks. I want to respond back, but refrain from doing so. She is right. I could do some time management if it staying monster-proof. I'm glad I bought some Tulsi seeds just in case. Make sure to plant it before you have breakfast in a separate pot. It's better if the new saplings are kept away from the existing ones. Once they're grown, make sure to dump the older pot and replace it with a new one, Aunt Supriya says. We enter the hall, and Mom makes a prepared entrance, making it look like she popped in by chance. Well, Bahu, did you show your uncle and aunt our home, or did you spend your day in the garden itself, she says with a flighty laugh. "'Oh, Sandanji, I think I've had my fill with your beautiful garden. "'We'd love to stay more, but my husband has some urgent business to attend to,' Aunt Supriya says. "'I'm sure it could wait. You haven't even had anything,' Ma says, gesturing to the plate of untouched samosas in the teapot. "'Surely you still don't hold on to those antiquated beliefs of not even drinking a sip of water in the daughter's home.' Well, we can't refuse when you're being so gracious, Uncle Ved says. If you don't mind, can we take the samosas for our our way back? Oh, of course, Ma says. Nita picks up some samosas to pack back. Ma runs after her as discreetly as she can manage. Sadly, I know she's going to ensure that only two samosas are packed for them. It isn't every day that we get snacks from the priciest store after all. At dinner, Ma weaves her silent judgment of Nita's uncle and aunt into the dinner conversation, talking about how wealth is in everything, pulling up unverified rumors, painting them in a bad light. I want to call her out and tell her what they were actually here for. As if sensing my rising discontent, Nita catches my eye. She shakes her head with a plea in her eyes. That's enough, Ma, I say, irritated. Don't you get tired of it, all this wasteful gossip? What good does it do anyone hearing this well i never said anything i was just telling what others she says i cut her off i'm not interested in what these others have to say of them i say putting a stop to it to me they're my in-laws they're very nice people and the very reason i was able to marry such a wonderful person nita blushes ma gasps and stutters the cold present creeps in pulling me out of slumber I can feel its red eyes glaring at me. Its silent hunger calls out for me in that same distorted voice. I want to move to open my eyes to cry for help, but I'm paralyzed. I struggle to try to pull in whatever bit of strength and courage. I try to remember the multitudes of gods and goddesses to show me a way out. Shiv, wake up, I hear from a voice far away as if from above water. The warmth is back again. Soft as winter sunlight. Shiv. Wake up, it says. I try to reach for the warmth as the D reaches out for me. Shiv, wake up, Nita says, shaking me awake. I sit upright in a flash, drenched in a cold sweat. Nita rubs my back. I check my feet. Surprisingly, they're well tucked into the blanket. I can still feel her. Feel it, her, I say. She's trying to look for a way in to lure you again, she says. It's been eight days already, I say. I know, she sighs. Thankfully, the Tulsi sapling seems to be growing well. I'll change the plant first thing tomorrow. She won't have a hold on us anymore. I'm tired of the nightmares i groan as I lay down again. She spoons me, slipping into my blanket. I'll protect you, she says, snuggling in my back. I'll chase away anyone who tries to make a move on my cute husband. Did you just call me cute? I chuckle. Go to sleep, she says, holding me tighter. I sleep with a smile on my face. As the lockdown eases, so does the haunting presence of the D. As advised, I change my lifestyle to a more satvik one. I wake up somewhere between 6 and 7 a.m. and offer haivandana, put more effort into leading a balanced lifestyle that doesn't involve being stuck at my laptop for hours on end and stuffing myself with junk food. We finally consummate our marriage over a long weekend, I book a surprise weekend stay at a nice resort. We take our time exploring nature and each other. We share childhood anecdotes. Mine consists of climbing trees in my grandparents' orchards. Hers consists of encountering disgruntled spirits in garages and storerooms. A month past the ordeal, Ma comes home distraught after her morning walk. You wouldn't believe what happened, she tells us over breakfast. Your third uncle from your father's side. The one whose wife is always jealous of us because you got a better paying job than her son, Ma starts. Go on, I say. Their entire family. Oh God, where do I even begin, she says with her hand over her forehead. Is it COVID, I ask? It's what I thought as well, but then I met her neighbor's sister in the park today. She sighs. No one would want such a fate to fall on their worst enemy. Beside me, I feel need to go still. The entire family had gathered at their place from a month back since the elder daughter was due soon. You know, the one who she always wanted to set you up with? Ma, what happened? I asked. Oh, right. Well, a few weeks back, the daughter was admitted to the hospital late in the night when they asked the family. They mentioned that she went into labor. Later, the neighbor found out that she lost the baby and due to some complications, she can't bear children again. A week after that, the son gets caught in a road accident. He's in a coma due to a head injury, and just when they were recovering from these blows, the husband died yesterday. The wife has been saying it was a heart attack, but the neighbor said she heard a loud scream late at night. Ma sips on the tea with a shaking hand. That's not all, though, she says after a while. There's more? I ask. There were rumors of how the wife knew people who did black magic. She would routinely visit such practitioners to help her husband get promotions and her daughter to secure a good match. I mean, she married into such a posh family. How else would a millionaire family look twice at the daughter of a regular bank manager, she says. When I heard all of this from the neighbor's sister, my mind went straight to those rumors. They say the ones who dabble in all this black magic stuff always get their payback with interest. Even so... Nita speaks for the first time since Ma has been going on about the family's tragedy. You're right about one thing, Mummy Jai. No one would want such a fate to fall, even on their worst enemy. Ma nods, then continues to deep dive into the different rumors she heard of the affected family. Nita clutches my hand under the table. I squeeze it back. We realize that the D is a secret that will forever remain between us. I now understood why Aunt Supria worried so much for the people who had commissioned for the D to attack us. The D had truly disappeared from our lives, but she took what was due with interest. Wow. That is... I mean, that's crazy. I hope you guys enjoyed this little... I guess we'll call it our Reddit stories segment. Um, Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know that there was such a thing that existed. But now that I do, if anybody sends a D my way, we're going to have issues because that is absolutely terrifying. But until next time, those are my two stories for the day. That's all you're getting out of me. So until next time, let's get weird.